Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today, our guest to share a bit of their studio stories is Joni Smith. Joni is the co-founder of Shapiro and Smith Dance in 1987 with Danny Shapiro. They each danced with Ella Nikolai and Murray Lewis's dance company and moved to the Twin City in 1995. Welcome, Joni. Hi, Matthew. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is going to be very interesting. It's like the first in-person <laughs> interview uh, to have with Studio Stories. And obviously, our history together is, is quite uh, wonderful and vast, my early beginnings in dance. So it's going to be very fun to just hear what you have to say and learn more about your past before even the Twin Cities. Um, so tell me, how did, it, how did you start dancing originally? Um, when I was five... I attended the Gene Kelly School of Dance in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and it was mostly tap dance, but I threw up every day, so it didn't go well. And my next opportunity actually to start dancing was as a freshman in college because my family moved from Pennsylvania down to Washington, DC, and we moved out in the country and the nearest ballet school was not convenient. And so, uh, I really waited until college and I started as a theater major, hmm. but I kept being cast as a mun- munch- munchkin or a peasant or a, I didn't get to talk. <laughs> I got to move. So I figured, well, I think I'll go down the hill and become a dancer. That did not go well at first. What um, university is this? University of Maryland. Maryland. That did not, not go well. Um, I tried really hard, but... You know, everyone else had had, the women had been taking class since they were like two years mm-hmm. old. And so I was pretty far behind. And um, when I was a junior, uh, I was given, the teacher gave me a C in technique as a mm-hmm. gift. Because I was that bad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah! But I worked really hard and got better and better. Um, that same teacher, uh, a few years later, did send me a note backstage when I was performing with Nikolai, Alan Nikolai in Oregon, saying, I don't know if you remember me, but I used to be one of your teachers. And I went, ha! (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I remember you. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I've still got that C. Anyway, um, so after college, uh, I really wanted to teach in college. So I stayed for a year and taught at University of Maryland. And then I decided, nope, going to go to graduate school. So I went to UCLA, which I loved. I loved being in LA for two years. It was so great. And one of the things I did to support myself through graduate school was I worked at the Roxy, which is sort of one of those famous rock and roll bars on the Sunset Strip. Yes. And then back, this is in 1975, I guess, or six, somewhere around there. And I got to see Joe Mitchell and Bruce Springsteen and... And the audience was full of people like Ringo Starr and Bill Cosby and (laughs) all those people. So that was really fun. And I just loved L.A. But after I got my degree, I decided to go back to Maryland um, and teach again. Now, I don't know why I wanted to do that, but that's what I did. And And were you teaching like modern dance? mm -hmm, Teaching dance technique and kinesiology. Because that's. I, my emphasis in graduate school was performance and kinesiology. So I did that for a year. And in the midst of that year, I decided to go to New York and I went to New York and all of my great uh, serving experience and bartending experience got me through New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was studying at the Nikolai Lewis school because I'd met uh, Murray Lewis in summer workshops And I heard uh, that this kid from L.A. had just gotten into the Murray Lewis Company, this kid who was 19 years old. And I said, Danny Shapiro. And sure enough, it was Danny Shapiro. I met Danny when he was a freshman at UCLA and I was in graduate school. Needless to say, I was an older woman. But so there he was. He got into the Murray Lewis Dance Company, all 19 years of him, and about... Uh, a month or two later, I auditioned for the company and got in, but I had to wait a while because the person wasn't leaving yet. 
In the meantime, somebody in the Nikolai company got hepatitis, unfortunately, on a tour. Mm. And I got thrown into a tour with Alan Nikolai. It was a um, USIS, a United States Information uh-huh. IS service tour, which is magic. Bali, Java, Kuala Lumpur, Hong Kong, Singapore. This is my first tour. Wow. Unbelievable. Fantastic. Being in all of these extraordinary places for six weeks. Yeah. And I got home and started work with Murray and toured around with Murray. Okay, here's the backstory on Joni and Danny. Um, There were three women and Danny who did a sort of a rotating roommate situation. And one of the times that Danny and I were roommates, one thing led to another. And what can I say? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So were you on tour together as well then? Yes, we were on tour together. We were both with other people. He was married and I was living with someone I'd been with for 10 years. Whoa, that did not go well, the whole really getting together. But then Danny and I, um, we stayed in Murray's company until 85. And I got a Fulbright uh, senior lectureship to teach in Helsinki. Oh my gosh. So Danny and I went to Helsinki in 1985 um, for an extraordinary year and good dress rehearsal for Minnesota yeah. weather, which was <laughs> fine. <laughs> but the dark was really something there. The 24 hours of dark. Oh, wow. Yeah. Except the birds. When it comes light and it's almost 24 hours of light, those birds are up all night. Danny and I used to wonder why they didn't just fall dead out of the trees all night. They were wicked singing. It was incredible. Huh. Anyway, Finland was wonderful. And Danny and I came home and started Shapiro and Smith Dance. And what year was that? Like 85? It was kind of 85. Well, we actually did a, our first show in Finland. And the funny thing about that was um, we got up the, the next morning. We couldn't read the review in Helsinki and Sanomat because you can't read Finnish <laughs> unless you pretty much grew up in Finland. So Danny grabbed a dictionary and we're trying to see if any words said things like terrible or <laughs> wonderful. or. <laughs> and the piece we were doing was a comedy. And we kept saying to the dancers, Will this be funny in your country? Things that we would do because we were afraid it was just American humor. Anyway, that was, that was great. But we came back and did our first show in New York um, in Nikolai Lewis's studio, which is now, I think, the back room of ABC Carpet and Home, where oh they gosh. sell the handmade rugs. Yeah. Yeah. But in those days, it was a great studio. So we did some shows there, um, you know, got our first New York Times reviews, did all that sort of stuff. Some good reviews, some bad, some this, some that, um, for 10 years. And we toured a lot, surprisingly, from, you know, 80. Our first, we say our first show is officially 87. But from then, uh, for quite a few years, we toured a lot. And that was great because if we were at home in New York, we were starving to death because there was no way to earn money in New York hmm. as a dance maker. And um, is this as a duet? Yeah. Okay. It was a trio show. Oh, okay. It was Danny and I in a foil. It was always like our child or the waiter or you know something. And uh, so was it George and Betty, the first yes. duet ever? Yes. Yes? Yes. Oh my gosh, Except it was a... called Businessman's Lunch, I think. Then. Okay. That was in Finland, actually. Huh. Amazing. Yeah, so we did a lot of touring, which was great. And um, I think the, the most wonderful thing uh, other than doing our shows at all those the usual suspects dance, suspects dance theater workshop and for us wonderfully the joyce theater and some other lovely places um it was great we got to choreograph on Al, uh, alvin ailey american dance theater first company hmm. judy jameson asked us and that was terrifying and wonderful uh, the piece was um fathers and sons and so that was fantastic and literally, we finished Fathers and Sons on Friday, and I got in an airplane on Saturday and lived in Minnesota on Sunday because I'd accepted a job at the University of Minnesota. Okay. So the touring of the of the company, though, too, like to having to hold, because I got to do that in college, mm-hmm. thankfully, and so many colleges, I think, took that piece on, mm-hmm. honestly, before that. So you did have a company as well, like the yard. I feel like there were mm-hmm. residencies there. Our first piece was Family in 88. Okay. And to have and to hold, the bench piece was 89. In fact, 700 dancers know the bench piece. 
which I'm sure might even be more now. <laughs> no, it was 600. We counted. <laughs> Two years ago, it was 600. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's amazing. It's crazy. Who knew? Yeah. You know, you just you don't know why something clicks and works. We just performed uh, it last weekend in Detroit Lakes. Mm -hmm. You never know why something happens and why it doesn't. You know. But, um, yeah. So... We came out here. We actually, we were in Singapore touring. It was a trio show again. Okay. And Maria Chang, the head of the dance program, sent a fax to Singapore saying, whichever one of you has the most credentials, apply for the job here. <laughs> and I had a master's degree. So amazing. I applied. So did they take both of you on as part of the program? Kind of, sort of. I, I got a, a tenure track job as an assistant professor and they hired Danny as affiliate faculty, but he didn't really want any more than that because by this point, Shapiro and Smith dance was really mm. humming along and we were touring a lot again. Well, you know, you went to Uzbekistan with us and oh gosh, no, it's all, yeah. we were touring a lot. So Dan for Danny, it was really a full-time job, Shapiro and Smith dance at that point. And I was providing the health insurance and the stability <laughs> yeah. part. You know? <laughs> thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness someone <laughs> does. And thank goodness it's offered. Um, yeah. And so little by little, um, we changed over from all New York dancers to all Minnesota dancers. But it was a process. Mm -hmm. uh, so for maybe a couple of years, we flew New York people out here all the time to rehearse. Yeah. I think the last time I really remember having a lot of New Yorkers out here was when 9-11 happened because the whole company was here from New York and they all couldn't get home. And yeah, they were flipped yeah. out. I had Obache staying with me yes, at that time. Yes. Yeah, it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. So I think I was one of the dancers. You had started in 95 here mm -hmm. pretty much. I, I was not with you until 97. And at that point, I think I was the only... Minnesota dancer because mm -hmm. I got to the luxury of like living in New York for a month at a time with Kelly and Wilson yeah. and Midori. Um, yeah. And what a great ex opportunity and experience for me. So thank you for that. But yeah, getting to travel to Uzbekistan. Um, I can't even remember all of Did them. Did we go to Italy? I didn't. That was before me. That was with, I think, E.E. E. Belkos. That was E.E. E. And Christine McGinnis mm -hmm. were with you for a little bit mm -hmm. in the beginning. Yeah. But just incredible opportunity. I, I got to dance with you for seven years and so much opened up in the world of touring and getting to collaborate. And I always thought it was fascinating how, like, Danny was very much admin boy, mm -hmm. and, you know, and like making things happen. And then the process, rehearsal process itself, like having each of you playing with with us as performers was so great to have that like two-headed kind of monster. Mon monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that it, it really like kept things playful and challenging. Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, speaking for myself, that just gravitating towards getting pushed in, in directions that I didn't think I could dance or improve um creatively as well like we did that solo from notes from a seance where it was like danny was rehearsing with me for a while and it was like a lot of movement a lot of movement and then you would come in and and chat and, and then it would be like okay you're standing on a book <laughs> or a bible maybe and then from there it just kept growing so like just having those like that creative kind of energy mm -hmm. between the two of you was so fascinating to me and that solo was one of the Joni's parking the car solos because in New York, Danny and I had a car. And so we, we were rehearsing at 890 Broadway mm -hmm. and I went to park the car and I came back to the studio and there were you and Danny doing this whole crazy shaking thing. And I turned to somebody and I said, so who is this for Danny or Matthew? What's going on? <laughs> and it was this really beautiful solo that the two of you collaborated. It was just mm -hmm. gorgeous. Um, just gorgeous. And recently, thank you so much. You coached that when we remounted mm. the piece, which was wonderful. Yes, but that was a Joni is parking the car dance. <laughs> and you say you say that a lot, but I, I I know that there's like so much communication between the two of you, like creatively, collaboratively, behind the scenes of things. And I just think that that is a gift in itself mm. of having that kind of like what you stand up for, for, for yourself. Like, mm -hmm. no, we need to do it this way. Like how that give and take 
negotiation or where the inspiration even comes from, mm-hmm. you know, and like how you stand your ground maybe or give in or how it like merges, I think is such a, a huge gift. And that's such a beautiful have. way to say we fought all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, you know, when you work that way, yes. You have to have that strength. trust and honesty though. Yeah, but your whole marriage comes into the <laughs> into your work or your whole work goes into your marriage, you know, your relationship, you know, yeah. whatever. So yeah, I remember many a time we'd say, all right, everybody go get coffee because we were just like at each other. But you're right. You know, you, you get very passionately committed to mm-hmm. something that, you know, that you want to see envisioned. Um, and also I have to mention Scott Killian, mm-hmm. who um, is the composer that Danny and I worked with for ever. I mean, I think he started way back, way, way, way back when. And Scott, we used to live on 43rd and 9th Avenue in uh, New York City. And Scott would take the bus out to New Jersey where he was working in mm. high school. And he would drop a cassette tape off at the deli in our building because it was right near Port Authority. So every day we would get new music at the deli oh my gosh, <laughs> for whatever we were working on. <laughs> and so, but Scott and I are right now planning a new piece. And we've just been on the phone. In fact, he just called me yesterday and I said, I can't talk. They're tearing apart my roof. Uh, so. <laughs> and what, what is that? What is that piece right now? Well, it's called Rockabye. And it's, um, I don't know. I don't, uh, you know, it, it's so hard to, for me to find traction right now. I really envy you. Mm-hmm. You've been doing a lot of new work, I know. Um, I really envy you being able to find that traction at this mm-hmm. moment. I had no trouble sort of putting together the old repertory for recent touring after the pandemic and making adjustments and making some changes, but kind of starting from the get-go uh, has has been tough for me to, to get connected to that. Yeah, I think it is challenging too right now. I think it's such a different animal, like that remounting of work and revisiting is as, as I have been creating and remounting at the same time right now, mm-hmm. I'm realizing like, oh, this is like a relief. I'm just remounting because mm-hmm. the creation process, like my mind is just like, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am, what are we making here? Yeah. And it like weighs on you so much heavier for so much more time. <laughs> so, Finding yeah. the trust in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, we, we have a lot of new dancers in Shapiro and Smith, which is a great thing. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous. They're lovely. But um, some of the people that had to move on, moved to you know, different parts of the country or just decided not to come back to dance after the pandemic were people who had been with me 12, 15 years. Mm. And this very uh, huge transition to lose four people like that almost all at once. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's another reason that I'm still finding my footing. I have some ideas, but I'm not sure. I want them, I need them to grow into big ideas. Mm. And right now it's, it's like, if you're writing a play, I have little scenes or I have a soliloquy or I have, you know, a conversation, but I don't have the play mm-hmm. yet. I mean, it, it, of course you never have it till you make it, but <laughs> in my mind, at yeah, least, at yeah. least to start or write the grants you know, and all of that to, to find the support for it, the funding yeah. for it. And there's so much trust that's built up mm. within those relationships, obviously that that, you know, when they do move on to something else after such oh, a yeah. long time, yeah, that family kind of feel of something, that reliability or like even knowing what that person might do in this scenario mm-hmm. creatively, like you're you're having to rethink and be curious. Mm-hmm. Or... And, and the institutional knowledge, if you can really call Shapiro and Smith Dance an institution, <laughs> but I mean, uh, when you have, excuse me, when you've had people around a long time, you can say if you're stuck in, in the creative moment, well, what's on the shelf, you know, which is some stuff you kind of didn't use before, which you liked, but never found its way in. Yeah. And those people magically can go, I know, I remember when we did so-and-so and they'll pull it down and it may not be that you really use it, but it'll lead you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Just your, cold water splashed in the face or an old friend coming and putting their arm around you saying, Hey, remember me? I was a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets the vibes kind of going or in the direction that you're mm-hmm. thinking like maybe something like that. Yeah. Interesting. So, so when was it that every town, any town, any town, 
uh, the Bruce Springsteen creation process happened? What years was um, that? Let's see, 2003, I think. Um, I remember Danny and I were walking around Lake Calhoun, maybe 2002, I, I, I don't, right around there. Um, we were walking around Lake Calhoun. He'd just been diagnosed with um, stage four prostate cancer. Mm. And he was still, you know, feeling fine. The cancer or the, the therapy hadn't had its way with him yet. And so we walked around Lake Calhoun and we just were saying to each other, well, what do you want to do? What do you really, really want to do? And Danny said, I want to make peace with Bruce Springsteen's music because my sister Susie Tyrell, Tyrell is in the band and we had um, spent a lot of time, um, I want, don't want to say just staying, almost living on Bruce's farm mm. because Susie was living there. So we spent long periods of time with her. And uh, and Bruce and his wife, Patty, were very, very kind to us. So Danny was just so immersed in that. And there's something about being around Bruce and Patty that just felt safe. Mm. You felt like somehow you weren't going to um, not do well with this cancer, but somehow magic was, was in the air. Mm. So we decided to do this piece, Anytown, and it was Bruce's music, Patty, his wife's music, and then my sister Susie's music. And I... I think we first, I think our first performance was at the Southern. Um, and then we reworked it and added things and took out things and then toured for a good year and a half. Mm -hmm. And you danced the final performances of it yeah, in yeah. that version. You took Danny because Danny died not long before the, the Southern performances in 2006. Right. And you took over his part. Yeah. Which I remember that phone call and oh. of him just... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, he set it no up before way. he died. Yeah, completely. <laughs> Took care of what was to, to happen. Mm -hmm. But how how is it that any town like how did you develop that piece? If we can go into your process maybe with that final work with Danny at your side. You know, a lot of it was suggested by the music, but we we wanted it to be three families that, that inter sort of connected that we wanted it to be a town uh, like, um, what is the famous, my, uh, my brain is not, um, our town, hmm. the famous Amer oh, yeah, American. Yeah. yeah. Even though I don't think very much of it is like our town. It had a sort of an Americana feeling mm -hmm. to it. Well, Bruce's music. Hello. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's so much there. In fact, the original, title was any town stories of America. Ah. So we really wanted it to be very much that feeling. Um, and I think that there were many different scenes in it. I think that the scenes were suggested some by the songs, but what we found is that we had our imagery had to sit next to the imagery in the music in the, in the text, the, the vocal, because it, both Bruce and Patty, particularly they're the, Lyrics are very dense mm -hmm. and we couldn't just like dance the lyrics or something, but we found imagery that was some, um, sympathetic mm -hmm. with it. Um, we were interested in, um, we were interested in trying to take on also a lot of it was interest in challenge. We we're interested in taking on rock music because you can you can ease into dancing to rock music, but once you like really let it rip, there's no going back. Hmm. You can't just suddenly in the end part of the song when the song is going crazy get real quiet. Rarely does yeah. it does it work because it's usually pushing to such a high place. So that was one of the challenges um, that we really found interesting because um, a lot of times music is an inspiration for us. A lot of times, no, but. A lot of times that was an inspiration. And, and I think we also wanted to look at the relationship between two men, um, between a father and a son, look at male relationships between two brothers. Um, we've, we've done so, we explored a lot of female relationships, a lot of male, female, but we hadn't really looked so much at sort of iconic quote unquote male. Mm -hmm relationships at that at that point and this is what 15 years ago 16 years ago is very male female 
in our minds. Yeah, um, yeah. We weren't opened up. Our thinking wasn't opened up as much further than that at that time. Um, and I want to say that we that the other is still a series of challenges. We wanted to take on an evening length work. We wanted to to try and sustain a narrative, sort of an abstract narrative, if, if you will. Um, and the imagery was sad uh, things that were kind of heartbreaking to us. Relationships that were falling apart. Um, people desperately care, trying to care for each other and not mm. able. I think Danny's illness was an undercurrent of sadness yeah. that, uh, that, that propelled some of the imagery. But ultimately, I think, like the music, that it was hopeful. Mm -hmm. There was some hope in it. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's hard for me to, to really figure out, or not figure out, but remember some of the sort of engine of the piece other than those challenges, Danny's illness, the music, um, the incredible cast. Mm. I mean, Carl Flink was in it. Yeah. yeah. I remember <laughs> this great. duet with you in a rocking chair mm -hmm. with and Carl. Carl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like so powerful. And Tony Pierce Sands. Yeah. And um, Yuri Sands was in the original choreography. He never toured in it, but he was in the process. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of it was built on um, generations because some of the dancers were in their mid forties and mm -hmm. some of the dancers were 20. Yeah. Yeah. When I imagine also like, cause Bruce's music, each song kind of had its own story or narrative within it. Mm -hmm. So to create that challenge of creating a fully mean length work with those like little vignettes in mm -hmm. a way, which I kind of do feel in my memory of it. Like there's these vignettes that happen, but somehow all coalesced. Mm -hmm. Uh, to come together with a sensation or a, a, an emotional impact of sadness, but also that hope mm -hmm. and like that strong power solo that Kelly mm -hmm. and Drummond Coffin started. And I've seen Laura do it. For <laughs> so I mean, yeah, which is just amazing. Yeah. Laura just danced that uh, for Doug and all. My Suzer, my Suzer, my sister Susie's um, music. Uh, she just danced that in Detroit Lakes uh, at 9 a.m. for Silver Sneakers, at noon for the <laughs> Ecumen Nursing Home, and at 1 for the Safe Haven Crisis Center for Abused Women. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. You go, Laura Sully. You go, Ritucio. Laura Sully Rituccio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I think that undercurrent of sadness you know, that I was talking about and you just mentioned... Um, when I think of what literally happened in the dance, we, there was a, I don't know if it was absolutely concrete, but there was child abuse in Little Girl. Mm -hmm. There was um, a drowning in the river song of Susie's, the name, I can't remember the name of the song right now. Um, there were things, that, in fact, um, the woman who uh, used her coat to dress the dancer who drowned, it was actually her son's coat. Mm. And she was in tears the whole time wow. that, you know, she performed it. So, and then it was interesting when we took it to New York, uh, to the Joyce, we had to find a New York dancer to replace that very primary role. And we got Karine Plantadi, ah. who was actually from Ailey, who was, I think, recently uh, escaped from the Lion King at that point or something like that. So working with Karine Plantadi was really something wow, yeah. too. She was amazing. She came in the first day for rehearsal with these high heels about four inches tall and explaining how these were her best dance shoes. <laughs> and we almost passed out. <laughs> yeah. What a great experience to have that history of AOE. I mean, you, you, you and Danny got to set your works on several great rep yeah. companies and Ballet companies, even Hubbard Street yeah. and Ailey. Ailey, we had that's huge. Ailey that's did so the bench huge. piece for 10 years and they did Blanket, and then the first company did um, Fathers and Sons. And then we did Ailey at the Apollo, was really amazing. The school did our piece, hmm. Cube, then. So we did a lot with Ailey for years and years, wow. which was great. And Hubbard Street, we did a piece and 
Yeah, ballet companies. I can't even remember. Not big ones, but, you know, like Hartford Ballet. I don't think that's the right one, but, you know, something like that. Mm. A well-funded sort of regional ballet company. Um, the one in Ballet Memphis. They have about four or five of our pieces. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of that, a lot of work on other companies. Yeah. I mean, just that alone is such great accolades, I think. I mean, that's mm. such a huge thing to achieve, Joni. <laughs> yeah. It's always interesting meeting dancers somewhere that have danced in your work, in, you know, in my work, mm. but I didn't set it on them. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah. yeah. What, what part did you play? <laughs> Who were you yeah. in that one, in that dance? It's always interesting. It's funny because I just held auditions in Duluth just yesterday. Mm -hmm. And uh, Matthew Wagner is the in the dance program there. He was like all about Shapiro and Smith. And I was like, oh, you did the bench piece. He's like, no, actually I was in like Mississippi ballet or in oh my God. Mississippi college or something. And he did a whole <gasps> other piece. I was like, what? Oh Not my bench. Gosh. <laughs> so that was kind of. That was one of Danny's last residencies. Oh. I can't remember. Was it? I, I figured what Mississippi, Alabama, I, down there. Yeah. I can't remember where it was. I, I wish I could remember the title that he shared with me. Cause I'm like, I don't know that one straight down to falling or strong. Oh, falling, uh, straight. falling straight up, falling straight up. It was a piece we created specifically for schools. Wow. That we just kept doing different versions of. Huh. That was so cool. <laughs> I, and that, that is so true. Like everywhere there's someone somehow connected to Shapiro mm -hmm. and Smith dance, I think, which is such a great. Yeah. Great we're lucky. Yeah. We're really lucky that way. So Danny, um, this is a little bit of a, a memorial in a way to yes. Danny because he passed away 15 yes. years ago. Is that... 15 years ago. Was it October 2nd or October 3rd? Can you believe I don't remember? Maybe it's best. No, <laughs> it's you know like what it area. is? Because he, he, he died at 1219 at uh, night. And I never remember if it was October 2nd going into the 3rd or October 1st going into the 2nd because he lived 19 minutes more. Mm. And so, I, I, and I never can remember which way it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I just remember Danny as part of those Anytown rehearsals when he made the phone call to me and mm. I was able to, to join for that, that final tour of just having him in the room, mm -hmm. you know, still had so much energy, just bald, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like I was just like, and he performed for how many years Four. going through? Like, that's just. I think the most intense was the Joyce because uh, it was any town at the Joyce because Monday morning he had chemo or maybe it was Saturday. I forget. Saturday. No, it was Saturday or Sunday because his uncle was uh, an oncologist in Atlantic City. He had the chemo on a Sunday. Who gets chemo on a Sunday? Danny. Mm. Uh, and then uh, Tuesday morning we were there for tech. And that night or the next night, he reached up and pulled a whole hunk of hair out. Mm. Oh, God. So we had to race up to a person who used to cut her hair in New York, when we lived in New York City, and she shaved his head. So that's how he performed. I tell you, you know, that's, that just takes strength. Yeah. And, of course, he felt terrible because you really usually, the particular chemo he was doing then, you really don't feel that bad right away it's a couple of days later mm. that you're really really you know sick yeah so that's how he was dancing yeah. i mean just the amount of like again he was organizing everything mm -hmm. to even be able to do that is just an incredible thing. i was amazed the other day i saw a postcard of laura selly vituccio and eddie what's that he said oroyan and eddie oroyan um for any town and it was a shoot that Danny and I had not been there for because huh? it was right before he died of cancer. And, you know, he was making suggestions on the phone. Of course, there wasn't anything like Zoom then, but <laughs> he was making suggestions on the phone. So <laughs> that's the photo shoot. Oh, my gosh. Well, Joni, you really, I mean, such a power to you to continue forward making work. That's the dancers. Yeah. Yeah. It's Laura. Well, you have that creative, obviously, you need that outlet, mm -hmm. you know, getting to be at the U of M, getting to have dancers, students. I don't know. I feel like it kept things moving for you in oh, that way. Yeah. So, so it's so great that Laura really 
kind of stepped in Danny's admin role. Somewhat, um, but I think her her power has more been, yes, yes, Laura is incredible with admin and everything, but her power has really been her own performance, mm. her own creativity, her, her own, um, she's such a heart and soul of Shapiro and Smith. There's so much heart in her performing, in her, her, pre- her presence on stage. Yeah, you know? definitely. And since I've had many years of experience collaborating with Danny, it was easy for me to start collaborating with the dancers. Uh, and they were very willing and, and very interested in doing that. And, and in fact, I was very proud of creating Burning Air with mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. and Patty Cake and Shirt and Jack. Yeah. Some of the, some are small pieces, a couple of larger ones. I'm having a flashback now. I actually was in a piece. I came back. You were in, oh my God, it was the first one. That was a dog. Um, <laughs> what was the name of that dance? There, I know there was like this door. Yeah, the, I like the door. Frame and the stairwell. I like the door and the stairs. And I do also remember, that might have been my first time dancing with Laura. Yeah. Sully as a, like a co-creator mm-hmm. working together with, with you as a company, uh, which was just so fascinating to me. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, she just like keeps playing and going and going and going and like inspiration. Yeah, I have no idea what that piece was called. I don't either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We obviously only did it that one time. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't terrible. It had some nice things. No, I remember Ned Sturgis. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh Such a great uh, performer. Always beautiful dancers. Yeah. And you and Kelly and Laura and yeah, really Eddie O'Royan. Yeah. Really beautiful dancers. I know the evening was called Next Steps. Good title. But I don't remember what that piece was called. Miniatures. Yeah. Ah, that's it. Oh yes. God, isn't that a terrible title? What was I thinking? Well, I think it <laughs> I think it was useful and helpful Maybe. In, in a way. Yeah. It led me to other things. Yeah. Um, one section in it really um, kind of led me, gave me the courage to do Burning Air, mm-hmm. which I'm very proud of. And yeah. another section kind of gave me the courage to do something else. So uh, even though I was not really happy with the the finished product choreographically, performance-wise, it was beautiful. But choreographically, um, it was a real jumping off place, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was, one, you know, which is great. Yeah. It sounds a little bit kind of like where you're at, at least in, in your mind process for mm-hmm. this next project in, well, in a way with like miniatures or it's hard though because i did you know we were going to do candy box the year that we had the, mm. the whole thing was um canceled or isn't it wasn't it the year it, I was, think? it was that year yeah 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 so we postponed it and then timing wise right it it better to, out this time yeah. coming up this coming year so um i had done a trio i wasn't finished but i'd started a trio that doesn't really have a name we just called it the banana dance at that point. That's right. But <laughs> but that was a real new direction for me. And so I'm I'm sort of juggling. Mm. Um, do I want to go back and finish the banana dance? Um, and also I'd kind of like to redo Pat a Cake, which is for Laura Sally Vertuccio and Megan McClellan. Mm-hmm. It was done when they were about maybe 30, 32 years old. Now they're 10 years older. Mm. They have children. Um, their mothers, and it would be a very different look at, very different look at who those women are now mm-hmm. and what the, ch- the childish game means in their lives. Yeah. So that's a, that's a possibility. Um, Rockabye, I think it might be a just a beginning and it's going to take a while to get going. It's um, that's going to be uh, kind of based on our experience with eight years in the Harriet Tubman. Hmm. I guess now it's just called Tubman Shelters and Centers um, with a lot of extraordinary women and what they've gone through and what they're going through and trying to rebuild rebuild their lives. Hmm. Um, and Laura and I and also another dancer, Mirabai, did much of that work. And it was always difficult for us to find a way for that work in the shelters which so impacted us to live in our creative work mm. um it just wasn't matching and so finally um with rockabye i think i'm beginning to find some ways in is this the one with the gospel choir possibly, possibly. yeah 
possibly but possibly not that may be gone <laughs> but i don't know yeah. but that's a that was an idea at one time so i don't know that piece may be two years in the making or so i'm i'm not sure yeah um but i got very interested in oh the the we had two rehearsals for it with the company um a year ago and we sat around and talked for a while about people's lives and um, especially the men had very, very intense things to say about their relationships with their fathers. Mm. So things like that were really compelling to all of us and will need some excavation. Mm -hmm. And then you have to think about how much are people willing to expose very painful parts of their lives. Yeah, it's uh, almost like too vulnerable. Right, even if it's only an image that no one else would know who it's assigned to or yeah. still that it was part of the process even. So I don't know. I mean, everyone seemed very willing and interested in that. Of course, we had a whole nother year of the pandemic in between. Mm -hmm. So I'm not. I'm just not sure where that piece is going to be. Yeah. That's why the <laughs> the banana dance just... It's, it's kind of a comedy, but it's also just so people trying to relate, uh, trying to find a way to relate and everything's sort of, I don't know, going wrong, but not really, hmm. you know, kind of how we all are. Yeah, right now, yeah. Like <laughs> seeing we, someone, I was like, I'll touch your elbow. Yeah, so, yeah. Kind of how we all were a year ago and are still, you know, I don't yeah. know. But so that's speaking to me. So I don't know, I'm, you know, I'll. Uh, this decision has to be made in the next, you know, couple of weeks because I have to lay in rehearsals and, mm -hmm. all, of course, all of that and composer and. But um, I'm, uh, we're going to be out with Tubman on October 16th, doing a big event out there with Queen Drea, yeah. Andrea Reynolds, uh, singing and composing music. So we have to see how all of that feels out there with Tubman. What's the energy? What's the mm. you know what's going on? to see if we might ultimately use a, a singing group mm -hmm. that we put together from out So it's there. all informing. It's all, yeah, it's all kind from. of informing to see kind of where we are. And I have to say the Delta variant keeps sort of slamming the door shut and then, oh no, this will be okay. And it's like, really, it's okay? But then suddenly another door, you know, so it's yeah. hard. I'm sure you're finding the same thing, Matthew. Yeah, all artists everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. So it's finding so our way. Kind of, yeah. Is the whole audience going to be masked? Well, maybe. Okay. Do we have to wear a mask? Well, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to perform in a mask. Okay, let's all get COVID tests. Yeah. We'll all be negative. And, you know, and it's, it's a, for the performing arts, it's a real new place. Definitely. And, and the hope that we can maintain continuing moving forward just hearing so many things closing or dance like a lost generation of dancers i feel yes just kind of a lost generation of dancers um but you know in detroit lakes last week the uh, they had a huge audience that, that was safely distanced and we had lots of people in the community outreach and mm -hmm. so uh, you know there there are so many people that are committed yeah and make... there's a will, there's a way. Exactly. It's going to happen. It's, the... gonna happen. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not just the artists that are committed. There's so many people, you know, are, are the support here with McKnight, with MSAB, with MRAC, with, you know, every, Target, everyone mm -hmm. really supporting artists here. I mean, how, look how fortunate we are. There's so many places in the country that have very little yeah. or no support right now. Yeah. I love it how you just always continue to create, though. Like you, that's just kind of like the way your mind works. It seems to me. What else am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, right. that's what I know. That's what, exactly what I how I feel. I'm like, can I just keep playing with stuff? Um, well, I I have a this might throw you off here, but I'm going to say, are there a few artists in town? Something that I'm interested in in the Twin Cities dance community right now is kind of I feel like we're at a lull. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I'll, I'll say it out loud <laughs> that you know the U University of Minnesota and college programs are turning out some really great dancers, mm -hmm. technically, performatively, um, and yet I feel like after graduation, it's like what happens? Where where did where are these dancers kind of finding their home or niche? Mm. You know, to perform, are they staying in Minneapolis? 
I think a lot are. And I think some they really are. Really great ones. Yeah. But I, I kind of am thinking about like how do we hand over the reins a little bit, or or lift up or rally around, mm-hmm. you know, these new voices that are coming out without also forgetting the me as an old voice you know mm-hmm. like because i think we also can we have a lot to share and give mm-hmm. and provide resources knowledge whatever you know i so my question is <laughs> <laughs> do you have maybe two or or three artists that you're just like really keeping an eye on or like i'm really excited about what they're gonna do right now well I'm sad that you've already identified as old, Matthew, because <laughs> I'm always completely involved in your work. I said me. I said okay. I'm old. <laughs> no, I'm all, I, I really look at your work quite a bit. You know, this is not usually that, um, I mean, not that the way that I work, it's a very different, but I think Herb Johnson, mm. is that his last name? I can mess yeah, that up. Yeah. Herb is awesome. He's so great. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, as a solo artist, he's extraordinary, but he did at the university, he did a piece mm. and it was done with such care and it turned out so good. And he did the costumes and he did the music or oh, you know, wow. he organized the music. And it was just, I, w- I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, a Renaissance undertaking here. Huh. He does everything uh, like Alan Nikolai, but, but I'm just so impressed. That's so cool. With yeah. that far-reaching, um, what am I saying? With it, that he's has his finger on every part of his creativity. I'm so excited about that. There's a lot of young, because I teach composition. Oh yeah. There have been sure. so many really beautiful, beautiful young choreographers and. You know, I don't know what they get to do at first. It used to be that there was kind of a pipeline mm. that you could get on, get into, get, fall into, ride, whatever it's yeah, called, yeah. in the Twin Cities, uh, as there was in New York. But that doesn't seem to be as available now. And it seems that a number of venues that might have been um, accessible to a young artist aren't around yeah, uh, like loft spaces and, you know, I don't even know what all the spaces, but when I first got here in 95, there were like 10,000 of those. Huh. 6A and, you know, all of that oh, red yeah, eye yeah. and all kinds of places. I forget all of them now. Yeah. But it seems that either, I don't know, either it's very beautiful and uh, lovely to rent and costs, you know, more than a young choreographer could ever imagine yeah. putting together. Or, or it has such limited theatricality that they're having to pull back on their imagination. Hmm. So sometimes when they do, you know, the senior concerts, senior pieces, and they have all of this wonderful tech at the University of, of St. Maryland, at the <laughs> University of Minnesota, my heart kind of breaks a little because um, I know that it's going to take them a while. Yeah. Of course, that's the way of it always, yeah. but always has been. But it just seems to be even more challenging, even before the pandemic. Yeah, I think you're right. But I also, now in in hearing that as well, it's like, oh, I feel like this is kind of being heard. This idea of like, because Rosie Seamus just opened a space. I have a space now, the arena. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And I've already asked you if I can rehearse in it. (laughs) But like Red Eye, I know Red Eye was kind of like, younger emerging mm-hmm. voices and they they close for a little bit and they're starting to open That's up what again I just heard. movo with morgan thorson yeah so i think i do think like this is bubbling at the service of like things are going to start shifting changing maybe it's like something in the air that that people are able to uh start making work well in that brief instant um uh, when uh, a lot of businesses decided to close down or go virtual. Mm. We performing artists saw the opportunity and ran in and snagged those buildings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> For a good rent or, or a good price if yeah. people were fortunate enough to buy. Something. Yeah. But a lot of people, you're right. People made the move to have a space mm. sort of at that moment when um, there were a lot of spaces around. Yeah. Yeah. The Twin Cities, it's such a huge dance community, mm-hmm. you know, and I keep trying to figure out ways that 
where where can we come together and help support one another mm-hmm. in some capacity, even if it's sharing resources or sharing knowledge of like, oh, you need to talk to this person, making mm-hmm. those connections, I think is so important. So. I've always found the Twin Cities like that. I mean, look yeah. how I must uh, email you what once every two weeks, Matthew, <laughs> who, who do you know that does so-and-so? And you have, always know. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trying to make it happen, See? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Joni, I, is there something I didn't ask you that you would like to share or did we cover a good gamut of things? Again, this is the first live. So I feel like you and I can just go down rabbit holes of talking about things. I was trying to be like, oh, let's really be, you know, like learn about Joni Smith. Joni and Matthew, <laughs> 10 hours later. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm excited to, for this series. I'm excited. Do more live interviews. That'll be mm. fun. You know, it's so great. It seems like this treat to be able to sit face to face with someone you I mean I saw you at a New Year's Eve party right before the pandemic yes yes that's right and we just don't get a lot of that kind of time with each other unless we're in the bubble with somebody yeah yeah no I mean uh, I'm I'm really lucky all this past year at the U we were in person it was a lot of work but we Mm -hmm. stayed in person and that was just wonderful that's so great Yeah. yeah and you've been back rehearsing Obviously, much yeah. longer than I have. We just started back in early July. Mm. So I just have to think it's going to get better and better. And it's not going to be what it is because it's, it was. It's going to be new. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be fascinating because we all learn so much. I was just watching Solo the other day. Mm. Oh, just looking at the way things were filmed, thinking, man, two years ago, we wouldn't have any idea how to film this. Yeah, yeah. And look how beautiful it is. New techniques, yeah. New we ways learn of, so much. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. That's what dancers are beautiful. We can be flexible, right? And maneuver ourselves, <laughs> right? That's so true. Well, Joni, thank you so much thank for you, joining Matthew. us today. <laughs> you and I, I'm sure, are going to be chatting away for a little bit longer, probably. But <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for joining us today. Next week we chat with Michael Langle, a long-standing career as a dancer, choreographer, and instructor. Known for a new dance ensemble, Molly Lin, Joel Weirs, and Maria Chang and Dancers.